What's up, guys? It's Sunday, May 17th, 2020, and welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. Wasn't sure if I was going to get this one out or not in time, uh, but here I am. Here we are. Uh, we're doing this. We're going to do it. We're going to get it done. That's what we're going to do. Usually it's Fridays. Um, I've had a busy week uh, over the past uh, over the past week. Really considered uh, just skipping the episode today, and uh, yeah, you're gonna see red in my face. I don't care. We're rolling with it. This is probably gonna be a shorter edition of the Fritzcast. But as I was as I was saying, I had a, a busy week uh, following last week's episode. If you missed that episode, you gotta go listen to it. Bill Ottman, CEO and co-founder of Minds.com, me and him discussed a lot of things. Revolving around uh, privacy, the internet, um, technology—you know—all the things that uh, we utilize every day, and uh, how much thought we really put into—you know—what what goes into these programs, what goes into these apps, these social media platforms—they're all—they're all so integrated into our lives. How many times do we really stop and think about, you know? What is in this? What is this company getting out of me? Uh, it's a question that I think we all too often just gloss over. We don't even ask it because, face it, when's the last time you read a user agreement for anything on the computer? And I, I swear, anything. iTunes, uh, instant messengers, even though that's not really a thing anymore. Signing up for a Google Mail account, a Yahoo Mail account. Uh, signing on to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok for all you you TikTok people out there, or 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 the, the craze just yesterday, all of you on Facebook making an avatar. Really, uh, every single one of you made an avatar. Everyone, I didn't make an avatar because years ago there was this thing called Bitmoji, which by the way is like loads better than Facebook's little avatar thing, and uh, I think. Facebook ended up making this or investing in somebody to make it because they couldn't buy Bitmoji. Snapchat bought Emoji or Bitmoji. So, if you want a goofy little avatar of yourself on Facebook, go ahead and do it. There's sucks compared to Bitmoji, and and Apple's uh, Apple has a Memoji thing with uh, with uh, yeah, yeah. Those of you out there who are like, you know, is he an Apple guy? Apple phone. This is an iPhone 10. Or, or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I'm using, just for the record, sitting in front of me is an iMac, okay? With 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 an Apple mouse, an Apple Bluetooth keyboard, which subsequently is plugged in right now because I forgot to charge it and it died. <laughs> so, so beside the point, um, I use Apple products, whatever. There's half of you are out there wanting to argue about how Android's better, and I don't care. I don't care to have the argument. Um, so, yeah, Facebook has avatars now. Little little versions of you, cartoon versions of you. Woohoo. Um, literally, y'all did it um, because you're all cheap. I have no problem saying it. You're all cheap. Whatever. But uh, all those things come with user agreements. Hell, using the cell phone comes with a user agreement. Uh, 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 using, well, the software that I'm using to record this, I don't even remember if there was a user agreement thing on it or not. But uh, 
that's the whole point. There's there's all these things, and we don't read them. Nobody reads them. There's there there dozens of pages long of mumbo jumbo, and everybody's just like, I just want to use the thing, click. Which I think Family Guy had like one of the funniest takes on it. Quagmire had never used a computer before, never been on the internet before, uh, anything like that, and. He, he pulls it up and it says, okay, hold on, it says a user agreement here, and he starts reading it, and Peter goes, Peter goes, just click, just click agree, nobody reads it. And as soon as he clicks agree, somebody runs into his house wearing a suit and, and sunglasses and punches him in the stomach, and Quagmire goes, ow, what the hell? And he goes, you agreed to the terms. <laughs> so it was a fascinating discussion. We, me and Bill talked for uh, almost an hour. All about that stuff. You can go back and watch last week's episode. It's great. Do it. Give it a like. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a five-star rating on Apple. Um, you know, do, do, do all that jazz. You know, and, and while we're at it, too, I usually save this for the end of the show. But uh, I'll appeal to you right now. I'll reach out to you right now. Uh, this this show and shows like mine, the, the little guys, the little guys that I don't have advertisers. I don't have, you know, all these things. I, you know, I'm just... A little man in this podcasting game. We survive and thrive off of you, subscribers, people who like this stuff. So if you, if you're watching an episode and you like it, um, you know, click the like button, uh, give it a star rating, whatever you're listening on. If it's YouTube, likes are a big thing. All right, views are a big thing, and then sharing this stuff with buddies. You know, just click the little share button and say, hey, this dude talks about politics. I think you should listen to him. Um, he has a good point. He has a bad point. Um, he's funny. He's dumb. I don't, you know, whatever. Whatever you're going to share it for. Because some people think I'm dumb. Sometimes I even think I'm dumb. So <laughs> that's beside the point. But uh, I, like I got my first one-star review on, on Apple Podcast uh, the other day. Uh, somebody gave me a one-star review and said the title of it was I also was 16 once also. And their one-line review was, this is this podcast is literally what any 16-year-old who's skeptic of social justice warriorism and, uh, and progressivism would say. In-depth, really in-depth, and, and uh, a total countering of what I'm talking about. A.K.A. somebody in their own echo chamber who says, I don't like what this guy says, I think he's stupid, so I'm going to give him a one-star review. I don't care. I, I literally don't care. Okay. Um, among other things, when I talk to people on Twitter and they see podcaster in my bio, they they seemingly think that this is all I do, that I get paid to do this. Um, I'm a libertarian podcaster. the The money that's in this is non-existent. I have not gotten my Koch brothers check yet. I feel very ripped off. Uh, if I had my Koch brothers check, do you really think I'd be broadcasting? In a room that I haven't finished remodeling in my rancher house um, that's full of junk because I have no other room to put the junk in. Do you think if I had the Koch brothers check that I would have bragged on Twitter about how I was looking at a modular home company for my future home? Because a modular home I could get designed and it would still be better than this rancher house? Do you you think that's Koch brother money talking? Because... Let me tell you, no way. If I had the money, trust me, <laughs> you would not. This would be a full-blown production with you know 4K cameras and streaming and rough cut, like you know cuts and all that crap. And my desk would be a hell of a lot cleaner than it is right now too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, you know, 
engaging with people online. It just turns out to be something stupid. Like they just uh, people will read your bio for two seconds, and then some of the arguments you get into, you know whether or not the person actually wants to have a dialogue and, and a debate versus they're just going to write one or two lines and think that they're smart. I had one of those yesterday where I'm pouring out paragraphs of information or, or paragraphs of points backing up my, you know, my argument, and they're just you know, one line. Oh, yeah, well, that's because you're stupid. Okay. I win the argument by default when you do that because now you're, you're throwing out the old throwing out the old ad hominem attacks. You just called me stupid. You just called me stupid. You can't even write more than one line. You're dumb. Also, over the course of this past week, uh, my daughter turned eight months. Eight months old. And it's crazy. Because now my wife and I are starting to, like, we're starting to realize that um, instead of a, a baby that just kind of looks around and, and is learning to, to just crawl and all that, like, she crawls like a monster now. She tries to stand up on her feet. She's clearly going to be trying to walk soon. She's learning things like her balance. And uh, now when we watch her explore and play with toys and, and explore her environment, it just, you can tell. It's like something gets switched up in her brain. And she is in the middle of, I think, her sixth developmental leap where she starts to categorize things and she starts to, you know, she can fit things in different categories in her brain and see things like that. You just watch them and you can tell in their eyes. You can tell it in their eyes and their facial expressions and how they're handling things that they have gone to the next level. And it's like, it's so cool. And at the same time, you're like, no, stop. <laughs> you're like, stop it. I, like, I just got used to you being a, a, a little baby that, that didn't do all this stuff. And now you're doing all this stuff. And like, it's cool. It's cool to watch you grow. But seriously, stop, slow down. You know, you want to pause time and you just, you can't do it. Uh, but eight months, dude. Eight months. It's crazy because it feels just like yesterday that we brought her home. And I say that a lot. It seems like it was yesterday that that happened, not eight months ago. So it's crazy um, to get this far with it. And I feel extremely, I, I feel I feel humbled, blessed, uh, whatever, whatever I have to be thankful for. God, the universe, fate, whatever. Or just me. I, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But... Uh, the, the time that I get to have at home, the time that I get to spend with her, is great. This is like one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done. And I'm I'm eight years deep in a career that I've been promoted, you know, twice through and have, you know, like perfect attendance for all eight years. I'm, you know, I'm somewhat, you know, I guess decorated or, or dedicated as an employee, but none of that matters to me. <laughs> like, that's not anything that I would brag about. I like... Because to me, that's work. That's work. That's what I do. That's what I get paid to do. I hardly should be thanked to, for for doing something that I'm paid to do. Um, I don't flaunt that out there as an accomplishment. Just like just like graduating, getting my bachelor's in communications um, from Colorado State University. I I hardly find it bragworthy. I find I hardly find it um, like something for me to really actively be proud of. Um, but my time and what I can do as a father, that is something that I'm proud of. What, what I can do as a husband for my wife, that's something that I'm proud of. What I can do at the home front here, 
you know, like when I tore up the floor in here and put down all new subflooring and, and uh, laminate flooring, having never done it before and having done it with relatively little mistakes, that's something that I'm proud of. That's something that I would flaunt. So over the past over the past week, that's been another just a, a reflection point. Eight months, damn. Also, what is it? A week from tomorrow? I should really know this one off the top of my head. Yeah, a week from tomorrow, May twenty fifth. We're celebrating the first anniversary of my thirtieth birthday. Be there or be square. I don't know if I'm going to do my FritzCast episode on Friday at the end of this week. Uh, if I'm going to hold off past next week uh, to do it. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. But uh, first anniversary of my 30th birthday. Be there. We're going to do a social distancing party of sorts. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe I'll do a live stream. Maybe I'll invite you guys on. We'll just, we'll just bull, bull crap over the interwaves or whatever. But... I mean, what can we really do in these trying COVID lockdown, social distancing time? We're going to talk about that uh, in a minute because uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, stuff's starting to, we're starting to have that turning of the tide. So we'll get into that in a minute. Something happened over the course of this weekend, though. If you're wondering why I didn't record on Friday, I literally, like, I, I probably had the means and the opportunity to do it. But something in my head just said, nah, don't do it. Uh, there's, a, there's a libertarian debate coming up on Saturday night that, that you can watch. You can grift material from that and talk about that a little bit. Um, what was it, two weeks ago? Last week was Bill Ottman, so the week before that, I think, it could have been three weeks ago, um, I talked about Justin Amash launching an exploratory committee for the presidency of the United States, something I was very excited about. Um, I was... I was ready to dive in, volunteer, donate money, the whole nine yards for Justin Amash. He launched an exploratory committee for the Libertarian, uh, for the nomination for uh, the, the Libertarian, as a Libertarian for President of the United States. I totally, that was garbage English right there, but I was very excited about that. And I watched all this material. He was in at least, uh, he was in one debate hosted by the LP Kentucky last week, um, with which featured Jacob Hornberger, uh, Amy Joe jo- jo Jurgensen. Amy Joe Jurgensen? It's not, it's just Joe Jurgensen. I don't think it's Amy Joe. <laughs> I don't know where I'm getting Amy Joe from. She's on the wall, isn't she? Joe Jurgensen on the wall. Uh, featured her, uh, Jacob Hornberger. Uh, there was a couple other, Judge Jim Gray, for example. Um, it was a good debate. It was absolutely a good debate. Um, and he had some media attention, too. Uh, MSNBC, uh, Meet the Press, uh, a couple other couple other out there. One's uh, We Are Libertarians had a great... Q&A session with him and with actual delegates uh, to the Libertarian Convention. Uh, and so I was excited. I was really like, you know, I was like, this is the, that he's the guy I've been waiting for to run for president of the United States. I, I said years ago, 
at the start of this program because Justin Amash helped me and so many other people get to, to libertarianism uh, in small little baby steps almost. Um, you know, everybody has their Ron Paul. You know, a lot of a lot of the people that you talk to about libertarianism right now will, will would cite Ron Paul and uh, the like the 2012 election um, cycle. And you'll hear that name. You'll hear Ron Paul's name a lot. Ron Paul is like one of the godfathers or one of the founding fathers of of this uh, latter day libertarian movement of sorts. Uh, but for some of us, we slightly missed the Ron Paul boat because we were, you know, younger and just starting to get more politically involved in things. Uh, so Ron Paul was an afterthought to me. People like Thomas Masty, Justin Amash, um, Rand Paul to a little degree. I mean, Rand Paul's not his father. He's not at that level. Uh, but he helped get me there. Penn Jillette um, and, and some other celebrities too. Vince Vaughn's always been a libertarian, always been uh, on the verge or on the fringe there. So I was very, very excited by Justin Amash announcing. But just yesterday he, he announced... Um, that uh, after going through these past three weeks, he felt that uh, it just wasn't in the cards for him. He was not going to be a candidate and stepping back. He's still a libertarian. Um, so a lot of people that were challenging him up front about would he stick to the party and would he keep uh, pushing for the party, he's, he's still a libertarian uh, as, of, as of right now. And he's the first libertarian congressman that we have. Uh, but... I have I have criticisms. I do. I have criticisms for for the Libertarian Party. Criticisms for for Jacob Hornberger, for example, who I had on this show. I've talked to Jacob Hornberger, and prior to Justin Amash entering, it was pretty solidly in Jacob Hornberger's corner, it seemed. Uh, but he wrote some pretty scathing criticisms against Justin Amash uh, prior to him announcing, and then when he did announce, he he really went into full pounce mode. Uh, not very welcoming at all, which I I understand. This is a this is a presidential race. There's there's you know you have to draw the differences and all that you know stuff. But it just seemed to be on the next level, especially for a guy that is heavily criticized for uh, a prior nomination uh, with Harry Brown, who I believe Joe Jurgensen was Harry Brown's VP pick, but. You can read a whole bunch of Harry Brown's criticisms of Jacob Hornberger if you so desire to. Uh, it's nothing against Jacob Hornberger now. He's still, uh, I mean, there is no leading candidate for the Libertarian Party. It doesn't work that way. He even stated that in our interview. He stated that uh, I kept calling him the front runner, and he kept correcting me. Well, you say I'm the front runner, but that's not how the system works. The delegates have to elect and pick. Which still has to happen, but this is the problem with uh, libertarianism to a degree. Jacob wasn't very welcoming. Um, some of the other candidates weren't very welcoming. Some of the other prominent voices of libertarianism right now were not welcoming of Justin Amash. And not just not welcoming, but hostile towards Justin Amash to the degree that I can't say I'm surprised he backed out um, of, of this game. Because we're libertarians. We, we tend to be purist to a detriment of ourselves. That's my criticism, at least anyway. 
sure we shouldn't be sacrificing principles. I mean, there was there was people talking about Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard should join the Libertarian Party because she could be a prominent voice on this platform, despite the fact that ninety uh, percent ah, of her platform is of the progressive Democrat vibe, which does not meld with libertarianism at all. Not not in the not in the sense that. Uh, it doesn't involve government. It does involve government for, for Tulsi Gabbard. <sighs> Libertarians tend to be a little purist. And purism sometimes is the final nails in the coffin of whether or not this party goes anywhere and does anything. The arguments that I was making in favor of Justin Amash was broad sense appeal. I mean, like, think about the attention that Justin Amash brought into the Libertarian Party in just three short weeks, being on national television, being questioned by Chuck Todd, being questioned by some of the big news agencies out there, the face out there, Donald Trump mentioning him. That's publicity. That is exposure. That's an opportunity. With what's left of the candidates for libertarianism, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get a mainstream media look for the rest of the election at this point with Justin Amash out. Although he's still a libertarian, he still has those connections, and he can still put himself out there for another candidate. Well, that remains to be seen. But think about the libertarian party outreach itself. I just mentioned that Justin was in a debate last week hosted by the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. There was libertarians that I ran into, delegates, mind you, who had no idea that that debate was going on. I figured out from Nick Gillespie and Matt Welch of Reason TV, Reason Magazine, uh, tweeting it out. I just so happened to have been on Twitter at the time, saw it, and said, ooh, bookmark, I'm going to watch that later. Libertarians don't have the outreach. They they, They can't even tell you when they're having debates. For these things. And then what happens? People catch it from me. There's people who catch it from me. I retweet it and say, hey, if you missed this debate, go check it out. It's on YouTube. Like, it's not live, obviously. You can watch the archive. And they go, damn, I didn't even know. Libertarian outreach sucks. Sucks. That's why I had Todd Hagopian on this show. Back in December, when he was initially... Run, I, we had scheduled that when he was running for the Libertarian National Chairman. Although he backed out of that race and he's endorsed, I believe, Joshua Smith. But part of his platform was professionalizing this party. You know? Um, the party can get away with these little Skype, Zoom you know, events and debates because that's the only thing that you can do right now thanks to COVID and, and lockdowns. Uh, but... Prior to that, prior to these lockdowns, they might be having these debates at a state convention and somebody's filming it, you know, on a Sony Handycam. It's not professional. It doesn't look good. And while I'll watch it because I'm interested in that, it's hard for me to pass it off to a buddy and say, hey, man, listen to this Listen to this libertarian debate. It's really interesting. I think it will make you think a little bit differently. Maybe you consider one of these people for president. And they see... A, a poor quality, you know, showing, they're automatically turned off. They're like, well, that's a joke, you know. I watch presidential debates on Fox News with, in big stadiums with big bright lights and all that. 
libertarians can't even do that. They're in a dimly lit, you know, on a stage somewhere in a place that you can't hear very well because it's not professionalized. This is one of the criticisms I brought up, but Justin Amash comes in. He's on the front stage. He's on the mainstream media right there. I'm just saying, Jacob Hornberger as our candidate, I'm not dissing Jacob Hornberger in any way, shape, or form. He's a very, very smart guy. We had a great conversation on this show, which you can go back. It's uh, it's titled Jacob Hornberger in the title. It's on the YouTube page. It's on all the podcast catchers. We had a great, great conversation about his whole campaign, what he wants to do. Is he going to be able to get the news media outreach? I mean, obviously, we can push for it. We can sit here and say, hey, interview Jacob Hornberger. Interview, interview Jacob Hornberger. Are they going to do it, though? They interviewed Justin Amash within days of him declaring an exploratory committee. If we don't have that kind of fire, where are we going to go with this? Then we can get into the arguments about, you know, it, 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 if Justin Amash were, were chosen as the candidate, would he have gotten, you know, one, two, three, four, five million votes from people a la Gary Johnson numbers from 2016? Or would, or, or is, you know, or is like a Jacob Hornberger or any other candidate that we select, are they only going to grab about a million votes, but we're going to pat ourselves on the back and talk about how we have a million uh, pure uh, true libertarian voters. It's another criticism to bring up. We were just ta- I was just talking on Twitter t- tonight about um, the 2016 election, the campaign of Gary Johnson, which didn't really, uh, if you step step back and analyze it, it didn't really advance libertarian ideas or principles. It was uh, it was more so of a focus of smashing the duopoly. Like, okay, well, we have two parties; they don't really represent you. Um, we have libertarianism. We're not going to really tell you what it's about, though. We're not going to really stick to those principles. We're just going to say, man, doesn't Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton suck? Just vote for us. It didn't work out so hot. So that goes to say we need to sit down and think about our approach moving forward. And that is, that, that's something that I can get behind where, where Jacob Hornberger says it. We need somebody principled. We need somebody who's going to say this is libertarianism. This is the way. Are you in or are you out? And if you're out, fine. Be out. There'll be a million of us over here that are pure libertarians. Is that good for growth, though? How do we get a million libertarians to become five million libertarians to become ten million libertarians? It's a slow path. It's a slow path. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's always one of the big things that come to play in a libertarian discussion. So Justin Amash is out. Uh, there was a, a brilliant libertarian debate uh, on Saturday, yesterday, uh, moderated or produced, not moder- moderated by Matt Welch of Reason TV, produced by the We Are Libertarians Network, which Chris Spangle is now going nuts over because Nick Gillespie has retweeted him. <laughs> and I, you know what, though? Chris, you're a hardworking dude. I appreciate you and the We Are Libertarians Network. Even Brian Nichols. Who's a Cowboys fan? You can't help them all. So, you know. But We Are Libertarians has been doing great work over this COVID-19 business. Now diving in, they had they had a great Q&A with Justin Amash. I know it seems kind of uh, useless now, but I implore you, if you have the time and you want to check it out, go on YouTube, We Are Libertarians, and watch um, the, the 
kind of town hall, virtual town hall that they had with Justin Amash and the Libertarian delegates because you're going to hear different answers. It's going to get the wheels spinning up in your head, especially if you're not a Libertarian and making you wonder if this is the party for you or if this is the way that you should walk towards. You know, I think it's great. I think it's great for outreach. That being said, there's not much I want to dive into with COVID-19. Um, I think everybody's getting at the end of their rope a little bit. Uh, the, the weather is starting to break. It's starting to get nice. People are starting to go outside more, which, by the way, if anybody tells you don't go outside, I, uh, tell them the fuck off. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry about the language. Tell them the fuck off. It's perfectly healthy to go outside. I encourage you to go outside, get some sunlight, you know, get some fresh air out around your house. If you're in an apartment, around your apartment, you know, go for a walk around the block, okay? And when you're outside, all right, and you don't have anybody near you, you don't need to wear a mask. I'm just just throwing it out there. See how I'm sitting in my own office here in my own home and I'm not wear I don't have a mask on. Don't wear don't wear a mask outside. Okay? Don't wear a mask while you're driving in your car by yourself because now people are starting to pass out. Like you you should have never worn a mask in your car by yourself. Dumb idea. You're operating a motor vehicle. Uh, don't block your airway with anything, okay? You're in a confined area. Okay? Don't wear a mask while you're driving a car. It's really dumb. Push it down here. Breathe air. Breathe air. Breathe air. Okay? Because people have passed out, and it's, it, it can lead to dumb crap, okay? But when you're outside walking out and about, I see people walking around in my neighborhood, just out for a walk, exercise, and they're not around anybody, but they're wearing a mask. Your prerogative, sure, but useless, completely, you're out in the open air. Okay? So no. Okay, and then if a private business around you, all right, here in Delaware, we're required to wear face masks right now going into private businesses, and uh, all the private businesses have it posted and say that, so I, you know, I honor that. I wear a mask when I go into them. It, it, we can squabble about it later. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to squabble about it in this episode right now because I'm, I'm going to wrap up mode. That's all I'm saying. But the tides are starting to turn. States are starting to do phases of openings. And um, it's really sad because this whole thing is politicized now by both sides. All right. There's one side that wants to, you know, protest about every little thing that, that has been put in by the government or what have you. Um, and wants to go back to, you know, pre-COVID, you know, February when nothing was you know, stopping you or in the way or anything. And then you have a whole nother group that says that we have to hardcore double down, be locked inside, you know, forever. All right. One of the things I'm going to say right now, the who, one of the experts uh, at, at the who panel um, over the course of uh, the last week uh, sat down and said s- some bold truth that hasn't been said since the start of this thing, that COVID-19 may in fact just be endemic, meaning the flu is endemic. We have a vaccine for the flu, okay? Uh, many people get that vaccine. Uh, we have, It changes every season, okay? Those vaccines change every season because it's a guessing game of which strand is going to be more prominent and how to combat it. Uh, 
it's endemic. It's here. We deal with it every year. Uh, this expert at the World Health Organization bluntly stated it. COVID-19 might not be going anywhere. It might just be endemic. There's, no, there's not some mystical cure for it. Flu doesn't have a cure. HIV doesn't have a cure. Bunch of other viral things do not have a cure. Okay, The flu has a vaccine. Bunch of people do get that vaccine. Guess what? The estimated deaths annually for the flu from the World Health Organization, it fluctuates between 250,000 people to 500,000 people every season. Every season. 250 to 500,000. And right now, the world death total for COVID is in the 300,000s uh, for the season, which I'm not saying it's... When I say it, it m- is mimicking the flu, people... Stop and hold on. Let me finish the thought. It's mimicking the numbers of the flu. Not the symptoms, not how the disease works, not how it spreads. Obviously, it is obviously it is way more aggressive than the flu. It is way more contagious than the flu. It attacks differently than the flu. Okay, and those are all concerning things. But... If those numbers fall on the same parameters, now you have to think about in the future. You hear them say, well, we got to stay locked in until there's a vaccine. The flu has a vaccine and can kill upwards of 500,000 people a season. And it has a vaccine. I think you know where I'm walking with this. We can have a vaccine developed for COVID-19, or we can find drugs that help cure and and, and get you over COVID-19 faster. But if it's endemic, if it's here to stay, this is just, this is life now. It might be here to stay. It might be something that we uh, we have to deal with every year. Are we going to go lock down and stay in our houses and not socially interact with people for for? an entire flu season every year? Are we just going to stop life as we know it every year because we have an infectious disease that uh, most people do get over, most people don't get hospitalized over over it, and most people don't die from it? When we talk and discuss about that, which you're not allowed to do right now, it's very it's a very polarized world, and you're either on this side of antivirus against the virus or or any anything else and you must be pro virus you must be for the virus that's why we're not allowed to talk we're not allowed to be in the middle ground talking about you know how can we protect the most vulnerable pop- populations how can we can how can life continue for everybody else you know so that we don't have people going into poverty because you know they can't go to their jobs you know because by the way if you're talking about the government stepping in and and, and playing a role you have now seen I don't think the $3 trillion bill has been passed yet, but we've seen a $2 trillion bill that got passed. That was a 1200 buck check for you, you know. Woo. One time. Yay, government. Yay, government for helping us, for putting us out of work. Um, that bill, you had a $484 billion follow-up to fix the flaws in the first bill. And now we have a $3 trillion bill, which, again, is uh, floating the idea of giving you another $1,200 check. Yay, government. They put you out of a job, but they're going to give you a one-time check to help you out. 
great, awesome. You think the government's not the problem. Maybe check out libertarianism. Just, just throwing it out there. Anyway, that's going to do it for me for this week, guys. I know it's a shorter episode. It is what it is. But I just wanted to get it out there in this crammed week, especially because next week is my birthday week. So if you want to say happy birthday to me, start working it up now. Okay. That's all I'm saying. But, guys, thank you for listening. Like I said, if you like this, subscribe to it. On whatever platform, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, there's there's a host of other podcast catchers you can catch it on. YouTube for the for this nice little video production, which we're going to be sharpening up soon and maybe hiding the crap in the background. That'd be nice. Uh, share it with a buddy if you liked it. Uh, leave me a comment on, on Twitter at FritzQS, uh, Facebook.com slash FritzCast, Minds.com slash FritzCast, which is now being more actively used by my by yours truly. And uh, other than that, guys, have a great week, and I'll see you.